of America's Healthcare Challenge. I'm joined today by Ginger Reeve, and we're going to talk about the latest changes in healthcare, look back at the last decade, and a few other fun things that are catching our attention. Uh, we'll also be talking about how the COVID-19 pandemic has changed the healthcare landscape and potentially your experience. And we'll conclude by looking into the future a little bit, trying to forecast what we may see happening in the next several years. Ginger, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Sean. It's good to be here. Ginger, I know you've been a great help with us uh, here at Edie Bellis looking at some of these things. Can you give the audience a little bit uh, an idea about uh, the background of some of the things you've been looking at as you've been preparing for this webinar? Yeah, of course. Um, the areas I've been focusing on during specifically the 100 days of the Biden administration have been a lot of primarily research on the um, American Rescue Plan, since that's been one of the biggest pieces of legislation we've seen so far. Um, and in terms of the webinar's focus, you touched on this, but we're going into detail on the American Rescue Plan, as well as other bills and laws that have been passed in the past five to 10 years, as well as a look at the future and what advancements we're expecting to see. But um, why don't you kick things off with a discussion of what's happening, and then we can dive into more details as we get into the presentation. Sounds terrific. We'll be tag teaming this here today. I'm going to start by talking about the last decade, some of the things that we've been paying attention to. And um, we're going to look at some of the major health reform efforts and policies that have changed since the Affordable Care Act, which, as you may or may not know, is a focus, uh, a law that we focus heavily on uh, at E.D. Bellis because it's such a massive piece of public policy that has changed how healthcare is delivered. Um, but there's been some other laws that have passed that have also had some changes that might have affected you that you may not have even um, known about. We're going to talk a little bit about those. Some of those laws include MACRA, uh, Trump's executive orders, and others. And MACRA is what's the acronym for the Medicare Access and CHIP Reauthorization Act. It was passed in 2015. Um, our website has an article breaking down uh, some of the high-level details of the of the law. Um, major thing is that it uh, really took what the ACA started in um, trying to push for a uh, quality, you know, more, more quality of care, more attention paid to that, and uh, in introduced certain programs that healthcare providers now have to do in order to get reimbursed through Medicare. Um, but there, there's been a lot that's happened to it, and um, it, it's, it's also authorized or uh, essentially made permanent the Children's Health Insurance Program. Another federal piece of legislation, the Better Care Reconciliation Act, um, th that uh, really addressed, uh, you know, more of uh, the, I guess I would call it financial aspects of healthcare, um, giving states to insurers um, to, to cover high cost individuals and other things. Next on the list was uh, Trump's executive order, which as you know, they tried to repeal the Affordable Care Act several times over the last decade. All of them unsuccessful. They almost got it replaced through the American Health Care Act, but as you may or may not remember, John McCain uh, ended that in dramatic fashion on the Senate floor by voting no. Some people th think it was almost a revenge uh, towards Trump 
but uh, others could say it was because he was going through healthcare conditions himself and he passed away shortly thereafter. So they decided as after that failed to act through executive action and something that a lot of folks have seen and, and some people have benefited from if they're healthy has been uh, moving towards uh, different products in the uh, health insurance market instead of just Obamacare plans. Uh, so these would be like tri-term medical and short-term medical plans. And, um, you know, they've made a push for association health plans as well and attempting to use HRAs and health savings accounts, but in particular HRAs uh, for employers to pay for employees' health care costs. After that, you know, was passed, the focus changed towards the opioid pandemic epidemic or pandemic. I don't know. What do you, what would you call it? Gender? Probably an epidemic. Yeah. Yeah. Did you learn about some of that? Yeah, we have. We've been talking about that specifically in Illinois. It's pretty bad. Oh, really? Yeah. So the inter, inter edict act, inter edict act, I believe is how you pronounce it. Signed in 2017. Um, really tried to address some of these things, trying to, uh, find ways to detect and intercept these, what are these synthetic opioids? Is that something like fake opioids or what is it? Is yeah, what is? I think a lot of them are laced with different things as well. Like when um, they get them on the black market and stuff and that makes them extremely dangerous. Wow. Yeah. Um, and obviously we know fentanyl has been a major problem and that's been smuggling all, you know, been smuggled into this country from all different sources. Um, the right to try law was was something that they signed that is, is um, the FDA has a process for uh, proven clinical trials. And um, this, uh, this allowed somebody, if you're essentially in, a, in an uncurable life-threatening condition, you can actually try some of these experiments before um, they're approved. I, I mean, I think I would probably try something like that. Yeah, you? if you have an incurable, life-threatening condition, I can't imagine why you wouldn't why break not? down these barriers. Yeah, right, right. So you know, this link, and I'll and we'll put all these sources online and links to them so you can see. But you can see the link to more on that of the FDA. Um, this Mental Health Access and Improvements Act. This is actually just recently signed. It looks like, doesn't it? And we've seen a lot of issues with mental health, especially with the pandemic. Have you noticed that? Yeah, yeah. It's been a, become a big problem. Yeah. So the goal of this was to expand mental health care professionals to care for uh, Medicare patients. Um, you know, we're facing a shortage of health care providers all along the board, but, you know, I think we're probably facing a shortage of mental health care providers too. Yeah. So those were all very interesting um, laws and bills that have been passed in the past five years. But in terms of COVID, what have we been seeing in the past year? Have there been equally as many laws passed? Has it been harder, easier? Well, it seems like there's been a lot of activity, doesn't there? Yeah. And um, you know, I noticed that the economy was growing really good this last quarter, but uh, I think a lot of it could be because they've dumped so much, you know, federal tax dollars into the economy. And we're going to get into, you know, some of these laws, but um, yeah, we saw going back to March, 2020, by the way, I found a journal article the other day, which was interesting. It was written like at this time last year. It's kind of weird. Do you remember how you felt like 
you know, last year at this time? I remember thinking this was going to last a month, which is extremely oh, naive. You but yeah, it was only last I a month? really thought it was a month. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so here, here we, we are, are still right. wearing masks. <laughs> so, and, and they're still acting legislatively. So, Coronavirus Preparedness and Response Supplemental Appropriations Act. So, that looks like they just, uh, so that was the first response, and that was only $8.3 I, I say only, but when you get into the $2.3 trillion that they spent in 2021, um, they really kind of stepped it up a notch, didn't they? Yeah, definitely. So we have this, the three programs in uh, 2020, and then the Paycheck Protection Program, which was uh, you know for businesses with loans. By the way, I think the Los Angeles Lakers also got the – Paycheck Protection Program loan. Oh, really? Yeah, and they won the championship. So mm -hmm. I don't know if the taxpayers are like, yeah, something to contribute with that. <laughs> and then more appropriations. And then that brings us to the American Rescue Plan. Yes. What did you think of this law as you were going through it? It's a lot to unpack. Definitely a lot of different things going on in it. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to try and do our best to go, go through it. Um, was quite controversial because some of these other laws that were passed and these other slides were passed with bipartisan support, especially the first couple of ones. But that's kind of where you get into the controversy of, of this new American Rescue Plan is that is it too much government intervention and can we afford it? Did they really need to go that big at that time? Uh, why are so many provisions not related to the pandemic? Interesting question. And will they have to be funded again? That's a big thing. You know, once you introduce a program, we have to fund it again. Right. So it was passed in March, so a little bit over a month month ago. Um, Mitch McConnell referred to it as uh, what the worst piece of legislation he's ever seen in his time in Congress. Uh, it is one of the largest laws passed in modern history, and it's now the sixth effort related to COVID-19 with a $1.9 trillion dollar price tag, which could go up. So I wanted to show this side because I, I always watch, uh, I don't know, I like shows like Narcos or um, you know crime shows where they're buying something with like a suitcase full of cash. And I always wondered how much money like, can fit into a suitcase. You know? Right. It looks like a million dollars could maybe fit in a suitcase if you look at the, the guy right there next to a million. Yeah, and those are $100 bills, by the way. And then so... The next one there is a million dollar, hundred million. Looks like it's on a pallet, and then yeah, you could probably fit a billion dollars into a storage shed. Maybe you know that'd be kind of fun. But then you see a trillion, and that's wanted yes. to show you the scale of of how large some of these efforts have been. It really puts that into perspective when you yeah. look at it like that. Yeah. So you want to take us through kind of breaking it down a little bit where it's going? Yeah, I'll highlight some of the biggest um, like money allocations throughout the or for the one point nine trillion dollars. Um, so first of all, we or they offered um, fourteen hundred dollars per person for stimulus checks, mm -hmm. um, as well as one hundred and twenty eight billion dollars in grants to state educational agencies. Uh, as well as $39 billion in grants to higher education institutions. So just focusing on like the education. So you think that's to train more healthcare workers? Or? I could see that as yeah. Yeah, a goal, definitely. That $1,400 per person, um, 
not for every person um, as below a certain income amount, but a, a lot of people received it. Right. Um, continued payments on this, uh, what is this, unemployment insurance, so that, that's gonna still go on. And this, big, this is a big one, is the expanded child tax credit from 3,000 to 3,600 for children under the age of seven. So that's just the beginning. We're just scratching the surface. What else do we have? 30 billion for transit cost. Okay. So creating personal protective equipment. So that'd be like masks and stuff like that. Yeah. What else got your attention? Um, and then it looks like there's $37 million allocated to the Commodity Supplemental Food Program for low-income seniors. Yeah. Um, and then 15 billion will also be allocated to support workers in the airline industry. It looks like airports are also getting um, a cut. Uh, yeah. We got some funding for mental health. So we have had that 2020. And I wonder if this is kind of going to work with that law that we talked about earlier. Um, because we've, you know, mental health remains, you know, continues to remain a serious concern. And they've shown that uh, there's been increases in all of these things that they're trying to prevent. Uh, so we've got $3 billion for block grants to state and local governments to address mental health and substance abuse disorders. And this will get into the workforce because we've talked about the shortage of physicians that we're facing, for example. Um, so they really are throwing a lot of money out there. It's just, you know, when you pass something this huge, it's hard to really understand. It takes, it, it just takes a few months for people to dig through everything. Yeah. We talk about the three legs of health policy, access, cost, and quality. So access, they're, they're uh, working on that, and this is a big slide to highlight the fact that they are um, fulfilling a campaign promise to enhance and expand the Affordable Care Act. And so they have done that by uh, providing incentives to states to expand Medicaid, um, and also this is gonna benefit uh, certain people that maybe don't qualify for subsidies now, um, but uh, they're going to get a little bit of financial help because they uh, there was kind of a cliff, meaning that if you make over 400% of the federal poverty level, you wouldn't get a subsidy. And that would be really tough for somebody that is older because their premiums, as you get older, your premiums get higher. So this is going to kind of help some, some people in that boat and it's going to help people with uh, lower incomes as well get access to even more affordable coverage. So this is a big deal here, this expansion of the ACA. It's only for two years, but um, I could see them continuing this. Yeah. So we looked like economic growth, like, oh, 6.5%, that's what you, and that's about what it ended up being, so, which was, Pretty good. I think a lot of it was because of the money being dumped in into it, but yeah, still I'll take it. <laughs> um, and it's, should be should be good for the healthcare industry. Um, for taxpayers, it, it just remains to be seen. You know, I wish this uh, pandemic would go away so we could move on to other things. Me too. You too. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, you know, if you were to criticize this law, that it could risk uh, inflation. Um, our country remains in debt, and even though Republicans don't really seem to care about it as much as they used to, um, they're starting to talk about it more, for example. Um, and then we've got this infrastructure bill potentially on the horizon, which is another one. Is, is there enough real capital, which is money, but a, another term is political capital, do, is there the political will to, to get all these things done? Just going to have to wait and see what happens. But there's going to be continued unknowns. Whoa. I have to edit that out. There's going to be some continued unknowns uh, with implementation and perverse incentives. And a perverse incentive, I mean, is that uh, people might not be wanting to work because they could get more through these programs. That's a right. um, Yeah, so that was a look back at stuff that's been happening. Um, but looking into the future, we've seen a lot of advancements that are happening due to this pandemic and also just in general. Um, one of those being like an increase in technology in healthcare. So like that's like Apple and Google and all those companies getting involved in um, creating technology for healthcare. So an example of that would be Apple's Apple Watch. Um, it's actually been proven that it's accurate as a clinical heart monitor, um, which could be implemented in necessary monitoring of elderly, elderly patients with cardiovascular disease. Um, and then just in general, like COVID-19 um, contact tracing apps and stuff like that um, has been very helpful. So these would be like wearables? Is that what they're calling them? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Do you have an Apple Watch? I do not. No? Okay. I have a lot of friends that have them, and they give them a little notification that they need to, like, stand up and like, oh, really? walk around for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I had a Fitbit for a while, and I did that, too. Yeah. It's like guilt tripping you into it. Right, right. <laughs> um, so healthcare tech has some pros and cons. Uh, pros would be new advances for the medical field, um, easier telehealth for millions of patients, and just, like, generally like connecting with patients. Um, also, there has been a strain, as, as we've talked about, with healthcare workers and um, not having enough staff for that. So this would be easier to see a volume of patients and people to like self-monitor. Uh, some cons though would be that technology adopted by these companies like Walmart, Apple, Microsoft, all that, um, they're not bound by HIPAA most of the time. So that could lead to issues with like data being hacked and like breaches in the hospitals and all that kind of stuff. Also would be difficult for elderly patients to figure out new technology. So they say uh, medical records are like worth more on the black market than, have you heard that before? I haven't, but I don't doubt it, yeah. This is an interesting one, this 3D printing. Yeah. I know they're not saying this is too near future, but it seems like an interesting thing to touch on. So this is just like 3D printing of organs, which would help with like the organ shortage um, and just give people who are on the transplant list like a glimmer of hope, I guess. Um, yeah, they're not too far in this process, but it seems like an interesting one. So like the days of having to like go try and find a kidney from somebody, you know? Yeah, we'll maybe be over. That'd be nice. Which would be crazy. Print, print a new one. Yeah. Could there, 
Could there be a problem with uh, your your cells, you know, uh, detecting a new? Wasn't there something like that? Yeah, I think they. Your body can definitely reject. That's what I was. Wondering. Yeah, I think what they're doing with the printing, though, they can kind of customize it. Like it's your own customizable kidney. You can okay. just yeah. Interesting. Um, there are also some pros and cons with the 3D printing. Uh, obviously, a pro would be ending the organ shortage and allowing people on the transplant list to be saved and not have to stress about all of that. Um, once 3D printing, organ 3D printing is feasible, it can be applicable to like many other things in the medical field. So more advances in that um, sense. And then some cons, though, it's extremely, extremely time consuming and labor intensive for researchers to create the organs. It's also an extremely high, it's an extremely costly process. Um, and there are years of research and testing that need to be put in place before it's safe to put in humans. So it's definitely a high cost, high uh, time consuming process. But it could have high uh, rewards. Right. bit more resources on that what about this one yeah then we have medical robots all this seems so futuristic <laughs> i know um but these would be good they've actually come up with this robot called violet um and you just put it in the room and it disinfects the room in 15 minutes which is really cool and like helpful for covid for sure because um, i think it takes a human 60 minutes to do the same task uh, so this would just take the burden off of like medical staff from doing like easy tasks that like a robot could do. Um, yeah, just easy and efficient healthcare, which would be beneficial for both patients and doctors. Right, because I think the last recording we talked about how um, four in ten healthcare providers are considering leaving because of oh, burnout, wow. and so this might help them. Yeah, like it, it took people 60 minutes to clean something and they can do it in 15 minutes. You know, yeah. Make their jobs a little easier. And we don't need doctors like disinfecting a room, right? Right. It feels right. like unnecessary. Yeah, and then for this, again, there are pros and cons. Um, it would lower the rates of hospital acquired infections. So if we have a robot disinfecting everything 24 7, we're probably going to be less likely to have hospital infections. Um, Contactless care, so reduce disease spread, so a doctor isn't like seeing a bunch of different patients and taking germs with them as they see these different patients. Um, also, there are robots that actually draw blood and they're a lot more accurate and they have like a steady hand and it's like precise, which is nice. So no more getting poked. And Would you do that? That seems a little scary, but yeah. You would? Yeah. I think so. <laughs> okay. I don't know if I can do that yet. I don't know. Yeah. Um, some cons, though. Also, they're very expensive, like the 3D organ printing. Um, they're also breakable and hackable, which is definitely something to consider. Um, outsiders could get a hold of, like, <laughs> our robots doing these tasks, and that could cause major problems. Right. It's a hot topic, the vaccine topic, huh? Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of information on this for sure. Um, it was just like programs to like kind of dispel, I guess, false information that's been 
circling um, about the vaccines and stuff. Uh, it was just uh, focusing on algorithms, VR, and innovation uh, in order to mitigate this problem. So algorithms would provide data to technology users that they can resonate with. So like the same process Netflix uses for suggesting like future shows. Yeah, so like provide information that people would be more likely to, I guess, pay attention to. Yeah, and then VR can screen patients who have had the vaccine and dispel that any deadly side effects or anything um, of that sort, dispel that they had any deadly side effects and all that. Um, also, innovation could be sending out like text messages to inform the public of how important and safe the vaccine is and just like outsourcing data and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Again, pros and cons. Um, pros, more peace of mind for the public. Getting the vaccines, they would know that it's safe from like multiple sources. Um, and a lot of people would, or hopefully people would be convinced through these methods that it's okay to get the vaccine and that nothing dangerous is happening. Um, yeah, some cons though, uh, possible like groups who are um, anti-vaccine, this could be, or uh, they could claim that they're being like silenced if their false information is like being flagged on the internet or anything like that. And if we're sending out text messages, people could see that as like coercion and like skepticism could rise mm. because of that. Okay. It's a tricky situation. And then I think this is our final one. Right. Um, just investing in digital health because of COVID, like technology, all those um, are at an all time high in terms of demand. So exploring like ventures with um, investing your money in digital health is pretty lucrative right now. Mm. Yeah, they're saying this is the time to get involved in the oh, industry. Really? Yeah. Do you, any companies catch your attention? Got any stock tips for us? Um, I don't know. Not yeah. yet. I'll oh, do okay. some more research. Okay. <laughs> it seems to me that it is going that way, though, doesn't it? Yeah. It's this is finally showing us how like important it is to have this stuff in place. And we always talked about telemedicine, and I think now it's going to be even more normalized. Yeah. Um, so again, pros and cons. Um, the opportune time to invest, like I said, is now. Uh, the market's maturity has finally, or the market's finally matured enough for it to be, like, I guess, safer to invest because, like, startups are past their one first or second year. Um, health services and remote care is at an all-time high in terms of demand. Um, yeah, uh, there are serious payouts with like telehealth and stuff like that. Um, some cons, actually these are some companies that have had some trouble in the past. Um, so companies like this involved in digital health, uh, because it's such a new thing, they can falsify data and like you don't know which companies to really trust. So you have to do like a lot of research before investing. We recommend lots of research. Right. Um, because this one company, Theranos. Theranos, yeah. yeah. Did you know, there's a whole I documentary about them. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's I a total mean, scam. $400 million in startup money and it was a scam. Oh, yeah. That's, that's crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so there's definitely high risk in doing this. <laughs> 
So those are some of the things that we've been watching, I guess, the last 100 days. It's, it's already 100 days in the Biden administration. So we wanted to talk about some of the things we, that's caught our attention in the last 100 days, talk about some of the things in the next 100 days that, you know, you might be seeing. And um, for more information, we've got uh, all of these links, and we'll post this um, to our Facebook page, to our social media channels. You check out edbellisinc.com if you would like to learn more information. And uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to watch. Ginger, do you have any final remarks? Um, yeah, no, thanks for listening. Um, hopefully this gave you some insight into what's been happening. So as you can see, we'll have some links to uh, more reading if you wanted to, to learn more about these uh, healthcare technologies. And uh, we uh, encourage you to check out our podcast, America's Healthcare Challenge, which has new episodes every week. And uh, we thank so much for your time. Catch you next time.